Okay, so you found your assignment. It's the perfect one. You can't wait to go with the best location, the greatest pay, all the things you've learned about on Traveling Evolved. And now you got your face with trying to find the perfect housing. So we're going to talk about housing hacks. There's a lot to this episode, ladies and gentlemen. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. This, these kinds of things seem to keep changing as time goes by, but they also still stay the same. Housing hacks on this week's edition of Travel Evolved. It's Travel Evolved. I am Mark Holloway, CEO of NextGen MedStaff. Welcome to the episode, ladies and gentlemen. I guess that's the first time I've ever induced myself that way, but it is what it is. You guys know, again, it's not to turn this into commercial. It's because we're trying to give you guys some value. And, um, you know, anyway, it is what it is. So, um, Talking about the industry, let's talk about that for a minute. Obviously, as you guys know, I've been in this industry for 23 years now. And, um, man, I've, I've just never seen a three-year period, anything like this. We did have, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is a little weak tonight. Um, we did have a kind of a unique period back in 2007, 2008, 2009, even 2010. The economy was so bad for healthcare travel back then that so many of us experts in the industry felt like it was very, very temporary. We kept saying, oh, it's going to change, it's going to change. It just wasn't. Um, it was a really bad period of time, and the in industry I'm sorry, the industry was affected heavily by um, I don't know if it was called a recession back then or it was a downturn of the economy for sure, and it was prolonged. It lasted a long time. And for those of you that were in, in the industry back then, you remember that so many travelers started going back to their place of origin and their main work uh, hospital because their spouses and, and significant others were losing their employment. And it's a long time ago now. Obviously, we're talking about you know 15 years ago. Um, but it was really real. And I, I remember talking to counterparts in the industry and even people that were running vendors and you know, management systems at the time that were like, you know, what's going on? They were asking me like I knew. And I'm, I'm asking them like they knew. And we were all like, we don't know. But we all felt it was just really going to be short-lived because you can't affect healthcare. And another one that I was wrong on, right? I always say, I know sometimes I'm right, and my people put stuff out there like, he's always right. No, absolutely not. Far from it. I'm oftentimes very wrong. And, and there's another example of a time where we just, you know, predicting the industry, I think, is the area where, I mean, I think all of us are wrong all the time. None of us really, truly know. We've got indicators, but no, we're no different than somebody else on a, on a stock, you know, market show on TV where you're, you're using your best information to prognosticate and you know, guess for lack of a better word. And the fact is, none of us know. It's all it's all economically driven. And 
travel healthcare is absolutely economically driven, which is, I guess I would say, knee-jerk reaction. It's a little scary going to this part of time of, of, of where we are right now because we have over a, we have a 60-year high of, of, uh, of I guess, our, our economy is at a 60-year low it's it's in, it's it's very similar to what happened 15 years ago. So we've got to be really careful, and it'll be interesting to see. I will tell you as we're recording this episode, I'm going to talk about how the industry is still strong. And I just still believe it is. But that being said, right now the industry we're in a bit of a lull. We uh, again, a lot of people barely have a lot of positions. Everybody's down. You look at some of the major vendors; um, they just don't seem to have as much. There's a lot of things at play here. We'll talk about it a little bit, but it's it is a little bit of a tumultuous time to say the least. Um, when you start seeing, I have I have software that actually shows me the, the specific number of positions I have for all the vendors that we have. And it's interesting how some of them are up and many of them are down. Some of the you know top two or three we used to have are down in the fifth and sixth category, which by the way sometimes means that we're not seeing all the jobs they have. Because I've told you guys, uh, was it last time on vendors? It's been so long. We were in Florida. That. Um, you know, we there's tiering involved, so it could be something of that going on. But again, when I hear from not just counterparts, but other higher ups in the industry, let's say vendors, let's say some other software developers that are working on some you know great websites that are helping travelers make higher and higher wages, and we all talk, and I talk to them individually. It's all like, oh yeah, everyone's down, everyone's way down, the jobs are way way down. So I guess as we're airing this, and even down the road in the future, if you guys are not getting interviews. My advice is, you know, A, work with as many companies as you can. I mean, you've got to take care of yourself. I would never tell a traveler who's working with us in our app at NextGen MedStaff to ju- don't don't talk to anybody else. Just just work with us. I mean, that's just selfish and um, completely, ir- you know, it, it's, it's, th- it, that's irresponsible and it's also unrealistic. I mean, to think that a traveler is going to put all their eggs in your basket, I mean, of course a recruiter is going to try. Um, I prefer not to. I'd rather just say, hey, we're going to get you eventually because we're going to be the top-paying company at any given assignment. But right now, if there's an assignment we're not seeing, jump on it, man. Take it because our app will still be there. We'll eventually have you. And sometimes you know, it, what we have to offer won't make as much sense as what somebody else has. As time goes by, we're going to be getting more and more positions, and it should make more sense. But that's what I'd be doing if I was anybody out there currently. Or if, again, a year or two down the road when you're watching this or listening to this, if there's a period of time where you know I'm a strong healthcare traveler and I'm not seeing, I'm not getting interviewed, I'm not getting auto-offered, nothing's happening, I'm going in front of you know, a lot of positions with multiple companies and I'm not seeing any results, that just tells you you got to work hard, you got to do more. You have to treat yourself, if you're using something like we have, like a recruiterless app, you've got to treat yourself like a recruiter would, only you know, be a little kinder to yourself. <laughs> oh gosh, I can't help it. But you got to be aggressive. If there's a position on anything that you're looking at, you got to jump on it. If it makes sense financially and housing makes sense, like we'll talk about today and all that sort of thing, then you got to go for it. But please, you know, for, for yourself, for your own reputation, so you're not getting, you know, in trouble or blacklisted with any companies, don't just go in front of everything. If you truly are not going to take the assignment, don't, don't ask a recruiter or don't, you know, push a button that says apply to go in front of a job that you know isn't going to make sense. So anyway, welcome back to cold Colorado. We had a great time and really um, accomplished a lot down in, in South Florida. It was fun. Enjoyed it. We are 
feverishly trying to get some things finalized and done here. This is where most of our IT and our, and our tech stuff is, is located. Um, we're heading out to California here in about six weeks, probably by the time I'm recording this, maybe four weeks by the time this airs. Uh, we're going to spend an extended amount of time in California, like probably most of this all spring, all summer, and probably most of the fall. Probably uh, we won't be coming back here on an extended period of time until we get closer to the holidays uh, of 2023. So um, I will be going back and forth, obviously, but most of the stuff is going to be done out there. So looking forward to a change of, uh, of scenery and uh, working with more of the ops department and the ops team out there to get some things really finalized on the back end so that, you know, uh, it's we got the app really swinging on all four cylinders. We've got some great things that are coming out with it, which is wonderful. Should see... Uh, more positions, higher pay, and of course, instant notifications, which is what we love. That you're seeing these at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, and you've already been submitted to a job that recruiters are scrambling to convince other people to go in front of on Monday morning, and you're already there getting interviewed. So that's good. Um, here's what I will tell you I just kind of done talking about how things are kind of tight right now. I, I just, again, I, part of what I think we're experiencing is some seasonality. We are literally between you know winter and spring. I, again, I'm in Colorado, so three days ago, or last weekend, I should say, I was out cleaning the garage on the weekend. It was nice out. It was still brisk, but I was literally wearing shorts and a tank top because I'm stupid that way. It was a little chilly, but it, I could do it easily. This morning, it was 14 degrees when I went to the gym, and it was 20 degrees when I left the gym. And I understand it's going to be close to 80 degrees this weekend, so that's what we're experiencing. This is the same kind of thing that hospitals are experiencing around the country. Those hospitals in the heavily populated areas of the country, where a lot of the you know the the seniors you know seniors of our country are, are there, the, the the censuses are higher than they normally are year round. This is their their quote unquote season. It's ending. So those facilities are hesitant to continue to make offers, continue to extend people, because they don't know what their census is going to look like, and they don't want to. I mean, I, I guess for the most part, I always talk about how you know hospitals are kind of heartless, but I do think they don't really want to extend people then terminate them. I don't think that's really in their in their motivation. But they're going to do what they need to do to cover their fannies, so to speak, which means they will if their census is high and then they'll break hearts because the patients and the amount of, you know, help needed to keep those revenue streams going in those hospital beds are is is more important than unfortunately a, a traveler or an agency or anybody else is. But I do think that they are not trying maliciously to to, you know, book people and then terminate them. I don't think that's in anybody's agenda. So that's what they're struggling with right now. Same thing's kind of happening in the northern parts of the country, but they're not sure. The census has certainly not risen there, so they're not going to make any orders. It's all predicated a lot of times in normal, and I'm putting my fingers in the air again, normal years based upon censuses and how our population does tend to shift and move around between the, the you know during the colder months and the warmer months. That's the way our country is, and hospitals obviously are a recipient of that population movement, if you will, as the year goes by. So that's not helping right now that we are literally in the in the between those times and everyone's kind of worried about what do I order down here and nothing's happening yet. It'll happen. I do predict that as we move into uh, April, I think things will start to pick up. Um, they typically have been. Again, I'm comparing things to normal years and nothing's normal right now with healthcare. But here's what I want to tell you. I think the industry itself, as a traveling healthcare professional, I think you're still in very good shape. I do believe that you're going to all, all of you, I don't care if you're 
have two years of experience, and, and I, my, my heart goes out for those that do because it's going to be tougher and tougher for less experienced travelers, regardless of your modality, regardless of your specialty, to get positions for a while because I do think it's going to get more competitive, which means all of you, if you're 20-plus years in your field, you've got the most impressive resume in the world, I still would urge you to work on your marketability. You want to maintain. Don't get complacent. Maintain that you're the first person to get that interview. Maintain that your profile, whatever your agency calls it, your submission packet is the top one or two on the list. That's your goal. And don't underestimate your competition who are also out there trying to do the exact same thing without listening to us or, or, or just learning from the school of hard knocks. Please do yourself a favor. You've got to treat this, like I've said, like it is your own business. I'll repeat that a few times in today's episode. When it comes to you know, your competition level and when you're not seeing activity and things happening, you've got to stay ahead of that. It's like anything else. You know, we're excited about our company because we think we have a competitive edge on certain things. That's important, but we're not going to stop because that would be crazy. And that's just like you guys stopping to continually, you know, resting on your laurels because I always get interviews. I'm the best traveler out there. I, I, I don't have any problems. Yeah, sure, right now. But is that going to be the case in two months, three months from now? You're going to be scrambling to go back and recertify or work on your references or work on the way your resume looks and get more detailed. These are the kind of things you should be thinking about. So I do think it's going to be a phenomenal industry for most of you. I think there's going to be some fatalities out there with you guys. I think there's many of you that are going to choose that, no, I just can't, I can't stay gainfully employed. It all depends upon, again, your specialty, your modality, and all the different things that, that, that are at play here, and everything's at play. But here's what I will say. I think that the industry is starting to shift into some new ideas. When we came out with the Recruiters app, I'm telling you, nobody had one. And we've had some people say, well, I think they do. And then they look back like, no, we actually were the first ones to come out with a completely recruiterless model uh, for an app, I should say. There was a couple of companies that were doing some things on their, on their website. But back two years ago, you know, almost three years ago, I guess, yeah, three years ago, nobody had one. Um, and no one had, had come up with a concept of replacing recruiters completely. And I will tell you at the very beginning, and you'll hear this as we move into some of the things that we recorded three years ago, we went, we were questioning it, whether or not we were right. We knew we were right. We knew we were right. But when you're the first one to come up with something, you, the first thing is you're going you're gonna to start to doubt, well, no one seems to be interested. When we would talk to people, every single traveler was interested. Yeah, I love that idea for a multitude of reasons. Um, and we'll talk about a lot of those reasons as these as our episodes go on here. But at the very beginning, there was sometimes we were like, oh, man, do you think we were ahead too ahead of the curve? Because we got that a lot of times. We got where... It was like, no, no, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even interested. Without even people really stopping and considering and looking at it, that's the normal human reaction. What we're seeing out there now, and I'm talking about, there's a number of different, uh, how do I put this, different technological ideas that are all geared at having you guys be able to find positions faster, higher paying, easier, I should say, I mean, more simply, uh, whether it's having a universal, you know, profile, having the top paying companies, you know, on a website that shows the highest paying positions, whether it's an app like we have where you can instantly, you know, judge, engage whether or not you want to go in front. There's a lot of new things like this that are coming out. And it's exciting to us because only the last couple of months, it feels like a lot of that hesitation three years ago, which I totally understand, is now kind of like, well, well wait a minute. Maybe they, maybe they are onto something. Um, because the last three weeks, 
we've been back and forth for a little while. We recorded a couple of those episodes, as you know, uh, and then took off because we just had to get them done. And I couldn't resist that that uh, that scenery out there. I was just so tired of winter. But since we've been back here, um, the number of people are downloading our app, the number of people are using our app, the number of people are applying positions through our app, all of that has almost doubled. So there, I said there's going to be a point where things start to take off and we're not going to know what it is that we're doing marketing-wise or communication-wise that's causing that. It could be word of mouth. It could be just, who knows, people might be more open to the idea. But that's really taken off. What I'm getting at is all the concepts I just mentioned to you guys before, all of these have to do with, with improvements for you guys, the traveler. A good concept is one that helps you guys, the target market, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And for years and years and years in this industry, and for most of this, com- this industry's history, it was always about the agency. And I, I've, I've shared with you guys, I believe heavily, and I've seen it, and I could give you great examples of how in the last 20 years up until about three years ago, it seemed to be that every time I turn around, the traveler was losing something and the agencies or sometimes the facilities or sometimes then the vendors when they were introduced were, were gaining and you guys, your slice of pie kept getting cut smaller and smaller. I, and I can give you specific examples of what I'm talking about and it's, it's out there and anyone who's traveled for any length of time will know I'm right. For those of you that haven't, you have to just trust me. It's the way it is. Now, for the first time, I'm seeing ideas coming out that are geared at attracting you because you're going to be better off. And that's a great concept. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I think the industry is strong. More advancements that are coming, things that I haven't thought of, that other people have. Um, I mean, again, I've, I've different concepts of, of travel healthcare that are kind of geared to either cut out the middleman, reduce the middleman's slice of the pie, and all to attract you guys because your, your piece is getting bigger. And that's, that's what I'm seeing. That's why I'm excited for those of you that are going to work on your marketability and are going to be able to advance your, your, yourself because you're going to. It's going to be fantastic. I've gone so long and we haven't even talked about housing hacks, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, I should say that for our 100th episode, which we're going to do. So more and more ways are coming out. I, I just believe that. I think you guys are getting more empowered to be in more control one way, shape, or form, like I keep saying. You guys seem to have more control, and that's also a concept that I'm seeing is, is becoming kind of popular. Different ways in which you guys, again, it's 2023 as we're recording this, so about flipping time, for lack of a better word. It's the last industry I know that puts control in the consumer, and you guys are kind of the consumer. You're the commodity as well. You're the product as well, but you're also the consumer when it comes to your choices of who you're going to work through and what facility you're going to be working at, right? That makes sense. So you're getting some more and more choices, and you are becoming more empowered and being more in control of how your career looks and where you're going to go because of these different technological advancements and things that are coming out. I think more are coming for sure. Um, all right, let's start off the episode here, you know, this far into the into the thing, because I guess it's good. I mean, it's, there's not a lot here to talk about, but there are some really good nuggets I want you guys to know about when it comes to, to housing in general. So a little history lesson I want to tell you guys. First and foremost, when I got in this industry 23 years ago, it was really common and, and almost all the time that we provided, us agencies provided housing as part of the package. In other words, we would... You know, our, and that's how the, that's how the housing stipends and, and incorporation came out that, are, that you see today, the all-inclusive rates and why you guys get housing stipends because we used to take care of those. So the bill rates that we would present to hospitals included enough money for the traveler to be 
be to either have housing provided by him or her or to take care of it on their own. Now, on a side note, I'll tell you, I'm so old that it was almost 100% of the time that agencies provided, and there were many agencies still that were providing shared housing uh, for travelers. They would, you would put people in with the same sex, and you would you would get an apartment or something, and would put two people there to save money. That went away pretty quickly. I would say three or four years uh, after I was in the industry, you know, you guys started demanding more, uh, which meant more uh, perks, which meant private housing. And I remember there was a lot of agencies that balked at that, and some of them didn't do so well, and they aren't even here anymore because they balked so hard at that. And a lot of other agencies realized that they could do that. It just meant more work. We had housing departments. We really did. In our, in almost every agency had a housing department, which would include travel and the whole deal. It just evolved and changed a lot, and still is obviously right now. So, um, here's what it did: when agencies were providing housing, it put a huge amount of risk on us. Again. We are somewhere, let's say in our case, in, in Denver or in Los Angeles, and you're in the middle of you know of Iowa somewhere, and we're providing housing for you, and you're the one there that's staying at it. So there was a lot of hidden items that were either positive or negative that we had no control over. Sometimes you get pleasantly surprised, and you'd find a great house for somebody. Sometimes they would trash the place. There was a lot of risk and liability that was on the agencies. The bad news for you guys, and I'm again, I'm sure you, this may be a moot point, but that sh- onus, uh, that that ownership, if you will, of risk has shifted from agency over the last 20 years to now directly upon the traveler's shoulders, you guys. So that's why I really wanted to have this episode because there's a lot of risk involved financially for you guys, and also the overall enjoyment assignment that is now on your shoulders, which didn't used to be. It used to be really easy to point the finger and to yell at your agency and say, I don't like my housing or my roommate's uh, bad or this, this place you put me in that you got fooled on uh, is, is horrible. It's too far from the facility. It's in a bad neighborhood. All the different avenues used to come out. It is nice for, for me that I don't have to deal with them, but it's horrible for you guys that you could deal with this every single time. For many of you that don't use RVs, we'll talk about that in a second, every single time you take an assignment, you have to deal with this. And that, my friends, kind of stinks. And that's the reason why I've told you guys repeatedly that treating this like a with a, you know with a business mindset is exactly what I want you guys to do. And and that's evolved and changed even more in the last little while, from us going where a big part of your job and and I guess the risk factor and a big part of this whole all the different cogs a lot of that's now shifted with housing right under your under your shoulders. And again, for many of you, you don't know any different. You don't know any other way that it's been. But I've watched where the industry has literally said, okay, you guys do it. I knew it was coming. I mean, that's one of those I kind of did predict because and I don't think I was alone. <laughs> it wasn't hard to see, but it was an incredible amount of risk. And a lot of dollars from companies were wasted on the bad apples of travelers. I just, I'll throw it out there like it is, as I always do, that were costing companies money, which means companies had to have bigger margins because of the handful of people that would completely... I guess, uh, like I'm trying to clean this up and not saying bad, but for the travelers that would cost companies a huge amount of money by walking off an assignment or getting terminated with a three-month lease, that was costing all travelers. Any smart company was going to do that. We were going to incorporate those costs in. So I guess the good news is I would hope to think that at least that wrinkle now is on you guys. And if you're a bad traveler, you're just going to cost yourself money. But for those good travelers, you guys aren't. But treating it like a business mindset is really important. And unfortunately, I will say this. I think that 
the margins didn't shrink. I just think companies figure out different ways to keep all that money that they were, you know, justifying by having it be under the cost of goods sold or, or I guess, cost of doing business, for lack of a better word, is now still on you guys. And we've already talked about that all uh, in a lot of different areas. But again, margins creeping up, you name it. But it's a, it was a big shift. I'll put it that way. And I do want you guys to recognize that there's, and you guys do, there's a lot of risk on your parts. Which is why I wanted to do this episode to really specifically drill down on some housing hacks. And it's not just about how to find housing. It's just some things to really think about with housing. So the risk being on your shoulders just extenuates the need for this episode and for why I want you guys to, ha- to listen to it. But every time you're taking an assignment, this is a big, important part. Don't just kind of half do it. So let's jump in. First thing I want to tell you, what I just mentioned a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago, I guess, the length of the lease, that is important. If I can implore you guys to do anything, when you possibly can avoid it, which I think is most of the time, please don't look for housing where you are locking yourself into a 13-week or three-month commitment. This industry is so volatile, and maybe I don't need to even, this doesn't even need to be addressed anymore because of how up and down things have been over the last three years with, with bill rates and everything else. I may not need to address this. I'm going to anyway because I don't know what the future will hold. Maybe three years from now, things will have evened out. And it's important that people think about don't sign a three-month lease if you can avoid it. And the only time I'd say you do is if it's every other option has been exhausted. In other words, if the only thing in this little tiny town that you found this great facility in, and maybe you've got a dog or a cat, and you're limited and you found one place you can go, and it has, you have to sign a three-month lease, I guess sign it. <laughs> but... I would really be hesitant. I'd be looking for another assignment because if that happens once or twice to you over the course of a, of a year, you've just completely reduced your net income for the year based upon the expense that you're going to incorporate and you're not even working. So now that you're not working, you got socked with maybe two months lease and a security deposit, who knows what happens. It really affects your bottom line immensely. So be careful with that because, again, you guys know this. Much like a travel agency, your margin is relatively thin. It's you still have your expenses unless you're, you know, one of these folks that are lucky that you, you know, you don't have a, you know, you're not doubling your bills as many of you guys know what I'm talking about. Where you don't have a mortgage, you don't have bills at homes, and you truly are nomadic in nature, and you've got an RV. Different story. But for most of you that still have those bills. The, the increase that you're experiencing in travel and, the, and the, the benefit you're getting from tax-free housing and meals incidentals is minimal compared to what those bills you still have to take because you've, you've doubled your bills now. That'll make sense. So a mistake like that is going to show up on your own personal bottom line every year pretty heavily. So please don't do that. In other words, the last option would be to go into an apartment complex and say, I want to do corporate housing and sign for three months. I just don't think you should do it. The minimal that you can commit, I think the higher up that housing goes to a, a sweeter option for you. And I'm talking about things like, and we'll get kind of started in this, Airbnb, uh, VRBOs, that kind of thing. Now, these are all across the gamut, right? There are some owners who rent their places out that are very flexible, that literally we could do it week by week. Maybe you can save more money by lumping it up some, but I wouldn't do that. I would go week by week if it's reasonable which allows you less risk. Um, you know, so that's a great advantage. There are, there are lots of times when that exists. Uh, sometimes they don't, is what I want to also say, though. So if you're looking at one of those and they want you to do a, a minimum of a 30-day or a minimum of a two-month stay, you know, then that particular 
you know, house or, or condo, whatever you're looking at renting, has got to be pushed way, way down on your list of priorities. Even if you love it, if it's perfect, go for the one that's got the less commitment level, if you will. You know, this is, this all goes along the lines of sometimes sacrificing some luxury uh, for lower risk and also for higher revenue is incredibly important. And I, again, I know that there's some folks out there like, man, I, the last place I said it was just terrible. I really want to, you know, I guess coddle myself a little bit and give myself a little bit of, of a you know lap of luxury and, and kind of treat myself to a nicer place. Double think that, triple think that. Be careful of getting to that mindset where you, you feel like that's an important aspect. I've got to clear my head. I've got to come back to a place. I'm home four days a week. I'm only working three days. I really need to have a great place. I get it. I understand. But if you're treating this like a business, then you're going to think twice about that because you're really, that is your, that is an absolute cost of goods sold for you, which means that, that less and less of your, of your income is going to stay with you. It's all going to go to whoever owns that place that you're staying at. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So again, minimal commitment, minimal risk, the better. So you can negotiate everything for a lot of places. And I'm talking about things that can, we'll talk about extended stays as well. Those oftentimes have barely any kind of commitment level. Uh, you can you can check out the moments of notice. And I, I love that about those. So it's important. But the point here I'm making is keep that business mindset. Don't sign something. It's like an owner of a company, you know, signing a 10-year lease at a place when they, they know their company's going to grow or who knows what. It doesn't make sense to do that. So keep you know, that's why leases are two years, three years, five years at the max. So it's important that you guys treat treat yourself and your business the same exact way. So sacrifice that luxury. Um, every single thing that you're doing, you have to think about eating away at your profit. Whether it's going out to eat more often, if you know, gym memberships, you know, the 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 you know, eating out is an entertainment. I mean, I've heard somebody say that recently, and it's absolutely true. To go out to eat is for entertainment purposes. If you really break it down, it's not a necessity. When you go out to eat, you're doing it because you need a, you want to be entertained by going out and having someone else prepare, serve you. Whether you're sitting up at a bar at a bar stool or you're actually going to someplace where some you have a waiter or a waitress, it is it's entertainment for lack of a better word. I can't explain it another way. And it's really genius someone said that because when you think about going out to eat as a luxury and an entertainment, you shouldn't be doing it five nights a week. You really should. Nobody should be doing it. I have friends that do that. They don't cook. I'm like. Learn to cook. I mean, it's going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars over the year. The same kind of thing applies to your housing. It is anything like that. Eating out, your housing. Your housing is going to eat away at your profit faster probably than even eating out. Again, there's such a gamut of places you can stay that it makes a, a big difference. So, um, All right, let's talk a little bit more about the Airbnb VRBO. I didn't quite finish my thought on that one. If you can find a place that has a low commitment level, and again, read these things. Some people don't allow you to get your deposit back. Some people, you know, you have to book so much in advance, you have to book a certain amount of time in order to get the deal that they're advertising. If you do a week by week, oh, it's twice as expensive. But if you find the right deal, here's what I like about them. First of all, the low commitment. I love the fact that on Airbnb, and I'm just using these two as examples, kind of when people say FedEx, it's, you know, there's other services besides FedEx, there's other services besides VRBO and Airbnb. There are ratings. You can score the place. How did they do? You can score the the rent the, the the person who's renting it to you. They all get scores, and that's and listen. Back ten years ago, fifteen years ago, we were all dependent on a thing called Craigslist, which I don't even know if it still exists. But it was horrible. It was like I used to compare it with like the the sandals brochure. You guys ever been to sandals? It looks beautiful, and you get down there like, well, this property's like twenty years 
after these pictures were taken, and it's just not the same thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sandals, but it, it, that your properties need to be updated, I think, more often than not. I haven't been there for 25 years, but it's a lot, it was a lot like that. You'd go to a Craigslist, and they have these beautiful pictures, you, and people would get there, and it was like, this is not what, it, what is advertised. With an Airbnb, if that happens, they get scored low, and you can see that. It's plain as day, so look for high-rated you know, rated rent rentals and you know read read the reviews it's important and you guys have that kind of short amount of time to be able to do that before you go and slap down a whole bunch of money it's really really important i love that about these these you know for rent by owner type places there oftentimes if, if you find one or two there's oftentimes a lot of options and i understand that not every single town where there's a facility is going to have a whole bunch of of you know rental renter rental by owner type places i'm trying to figure out how to not Give one of these guys a plug, and it doesn't really matter. But there are oftentimes multiple places. Now, recently I've been looking at, at at renting a few myself, and it happens to be the couple locations in the country which were really far apart and different. And you guys know Florida is one of them. Sometimes you get to a place and the prices were all ridiculously high, so you have to consider maybe a little bit of a commute if you're not on an on-call situation where you can do that. But I mean, I you know obviously California is a place where you know if if a traveler's going to California. And you're anywhere by the coastline or anywhere by a major city, it's going to be really expensive. They're all going to be the same. People look at, you know, how much is this place going for across the street or you're you know, a block away? I'm going to do it too. And it just keeps going up, 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 up. But I do like the Airbnb option. I do think that from what I hear from you guys, it's one of the biggest, most popular ways for you guys to find your housing. And I, I don't have a lot of negatives of it. Just read the, the agreement. If you change your mind or you can't, you know, Something happens before you start the assignment. Are you know what's the cancellation policy? How long do you have to give a notice? Do I have to stay for the full three months to get this deal, or can I do it week by week? Am I going to have to get moved out because I'm not making that commitment? All you know, and then find another place and scramble for that. All these things are really important for you to look at. But I do think, in my opinion, besides one thing I'm going to mention, I think it's one of the best options there are out there right now. And hopefully there'll be some more things that'll that'll change it. But what a great, I think, great great concept uh, that there is out there. So. Another hack, that I guess we could say, or maybe our first hack, is that a lot of people don't think about you know talking to the manager when they're interviewing, especially if you're talking to a place that you're concerned about the housing options. And I'm saying whether it's a small community, a rural community, maybe you've got some certain very specific needs, whether it's you travel with a, a pet or you travel with a spouse or significant other, or you've got something specific, like maybe you're, in, in, you're, you're a traveler that you know, works around the, you know, the, the OR, whether you're a tech or a nurse or a CR, you know, certified respiratory nurse, anesthetist, whatever the case is, and you have to be close. If there's something very specific that you're unique and you're worried about, am I going to have housing? Or in the past, if housing has been an issue, ask the manager, do you have, have any suggestions? You're the director of surgical services. What have other people found in your town that makes sense? Do you know this off the top of your head? And I'm sure that any manager that's been doing this for any length of time We'll have some suggestions of things that they've talked to their travelers about that were really successful and ones to stay away from. It's a hack that you should that you should offer up and, and see if you can find out. If they've been there very shortly or if they don't know, another place to go is to call HR once you've gotten the offer. Say, hey, listen, you know, I just got an offer, and I thought sometimes hospitals have kind of a list of places where you know individuals in the community will give their information saying, hey, by the way, if you have a traveler here, I know what you guys do. I'd, I'd be, I would love to have them stay at my rental, and they've given those lists. And it's a great place for you guys to find uh, some things that not maybe every traveler has thought of finding. So it's not going to be on an Airbnb. It's going to be something where maybe another 
healthcare professional that's employed there, uh, you know, a full-time person has, you know, a room to rent, or they have a, an apartment to rent, or they have a condo, or they've got another house across town. You never know, but if you don't ask, you're never going to find out. Perfect first thing you should be doing is asking somebody there at the facility what has a proven track record of being a, a successful pace, place that travelers have enjoyed, you know, staying and working out of in, in the past. It's, I mean, why not? It's the to me, it makes the absolute most sense. All right, let's talk about a few other things that are that I guess are, are kind of hacks. A couple of travelers have told me last few years that when all else fails, they'll call the Chamber of Commerce or they'll go to the Chamber of Commerce websites. The, the warning on that is that many cities and towns, their Chamber of Commerce website stinks. It's really hard to navigate, so you can't even figure out how to find places. But it is an avenue that I want to throw out there on this episode that you can look at for a potential to find some place to, to rent and to be for the you know the three to six months that you might be there. So that's just one of those things. One of my favorite hacks, I guess, is, and a lot of people think about it, I have a lot of friends who are realtors here in, in town and a couple that are actually, one's retired and a few out in California. And it's amazing how many people that are realtors know about rentals, even if they're doing sales themselves. California is a great example of, of a town where where I go, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that some of these people are so ridiculously wealthy that they have it's their second or third or fourth home and they're barely even there and they're trying to let's say sell it to a you know a realtor's trying to sell it for them because they want to pack up and do someplace else and they have the luxury of saying you know let's pull it off the market because let's been on the market for you know 45 days and I don't want to look at this house as a selling so we're just going to pull off the market for six months or maybe the the you know the uh, the actual sales prices are, are stagnant or the market's kind of stagnant. So let's pull it off and put it back on six months later. So it says, hey, it's a brand new listing again. Well, sometimes when these things aren't selling, one option is that the realtors say, you know, I could approach the owner of this house and say, hey, you know, if you want to break on your mortgage payment, you might be able to have a traveler basically, pay, you know, pay your mortgage and usually then some and stay at this place. And again, I think most people like the idea of a Healthcare professional, typically, that's you know, again, some of us know differently, right? But the, the, the impression is that you guys are going to take good care of their place, right? And I think most of you guys do, especially now when you're the one slapping down the you know, the, the security deposit, as opposed to the company. I think things have really shifted and changed that way. So it's a great, you know, option if you start talking to realtors. Well, well, do you know anybody else that would know of anything rental-wise, or would anybody that you're, you know, currently have a listing for, would they be open to a short-term lease and pull it off the market, and let it be re, you know, re-put introduced to the market here when I'm done? I mean, just, it's just a great little hack. That's not a bad question. If you're struggling and you really need to find something, it'd be a great thing to do, especially if you're looking for something maybe larger, and uh, or you're taking, you know, spouse or family or who knows what. So there you go. I'm gonna keep going because I've got uh, obviously we got a lot to cover here. So. Realtors obviously handle more than just you know housing. They a lot of them will rent condominiums, so that's another great avenue. You can look for realtors that specialize in condo uh, sales, which means they might. Sometimes I've seen that those kinds of people that have condos for sale are oftentimes more willing to rent them because they're probably not living in those condos and they've, they've got it ready to be sold. So they may have all their personal stuff taken out anyway. I'm like, oh, that's be great. I can't I can't sell this condo, so let's rent it to a traveler for a while. All right, another area that I want to go through, and I'm just going to rattle these off because I don't want this episode to be too long. But recently in the last probably five years, listen, I'm not a big fan of Facebook stuff. I'll just tell you guys. It used to be the go-to place for all of us agencies to attract you. I'm well documented on Travel Evolved that I think Facebook has become the only thing I see out there is a bunch of companies posting 
jobs ad nauseum, the same job over and over again with different memes saying, hey, we've got this great job in Honolulu, Hawaii, and they put a picture of Honolulu, and oftentimes they're not even the right island, they'll throw things out there to try to attract you. You guys are, like I said at the beginning of this episode, you're searching for your own jobs anyway. I don't know why you're still going through that avenue. It seems really, really, um, I guess, old school, very inefficient, very ineffective, but some people still do it. That's what Facebook's become for me. These Facebook pages and groups are literally places for recruiters to attack you and try to entice you to take a position that literally 200 companies have, and you have no idea how to compare it with anybody else's rate, and you're just flying blind. Here's one exception. Housing. In the last five years, I have seen some very, very good housing Facebook groups for travel healthcare professionals that seem to really have and again, it allows local people to throw their stuff out there right at you and say, I've got a place, I've got a place. And maybe they're not an Airbnb type renter, but they are open to you guys. This is a really good avenue. And again, sometimes you have to do some searching on Facebook, but you may be able to get very specific right down to the city. I've seen some larger cities that have their own traveling healthcare Facebook housing rental page, if that all came together the right way. So I think that's actually a pretty good thing on Facebook currently. Now, maybe I'll change my mind down the road because what I like about those pages is that you're not allowed to recruit from. So it really is aimed at people that are looking to rent their place. Just be aware because there's a lot of shysters out there still. So it's a little like that Craigslist thing I said a while ago. that You never really know what you want to, you're going to get. And this is not something on Airbnb. This is not something that typically you can give reviews on. So be aware that you may be kind of flying blind and you're finding something. But it's a way to look for some housing. It's a housing hack. But just be very, very careful. Um, see if they have any referrals of someone that has stayed there previously. See if anybody, um, if they've worked with any other traveler or the hospital has them on a reference you know, sheet and, and, it, and says, yes, this is a good place. Just double, triple check and listen to the inner voice. If something seems like it's not right and you think you're worried about showing up and slapping some money down and having it be a really bad place, listen to that voice of yours. But I do like those Facebook pages for that specific type of help and assistment Assistment? Assistance? Boy, I need to go back to Florida, I think, <laughs> for you guys to be able to find the housing. So it's late. I mean, you probably can't tell, but I'm recording this pretty late, so my brain is mush anyway, and it's obviously coming through on the way my mouth is working for me tonight. So anyway, here's a pro and some cons about the next thing I'm going to mention, and that's going to be, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, again, paraphrasing, call it the extended stay type hotels. These are the ones that have some sort of a kitchenette in them, the the only obvious really con, in my opinion, of these places is that you're living in a hotel room for three months. And for some of you, that's totally fine. For others, it's just too small. Uh, let me talk about the con, the pros that I think are, are, that are good. And there's a lot of them, in my opinion. Number one, typically, is that you don't have a commitment. You can say, I'm going to be here for three, you know, three months, but find out at the very beginning, if something were to happen and the hospital doesn't need me anymore, is there a penalty for me leaving early? And almost always it's not. It's no. When you check out, you check out. And that's a wonderful thing, especially with rates going up and down right now. And definitely a few years ago, I would have really urged people to do it this way. Maybe it doesn't make as much sense now. But it was a great way to like say, hey, if they're going to can me because I'm the top billed professional in this hospital and that was happening, then I've got an escape. I'm not going to be stuck with you know two months worth of, of paying rent at an extended stay I'm not staying at. A couple of things I really like about these things, and I think I've said this before, I love the safety. When you're going to an Airbnb yourself or somebody's private residence that you've rented, whether it's a condo or even an apartment or some hotels, you know, you're just walking in. 
from the dark and whatever. And again, most of you guys are leaving and or coming and going at 7P or 7A. And in different times of the year, it's lighter and darker in those periods of time. So walking into a hotel lobby with an interior you know, door to your room, walking by a front desk, walking by a lobby potentially, maybe even a, a breakfast area, and sometimes some of these places will open up you know, bottles of wine at night. To me, that's safer. They typically are in very higher end, I mean, nicer parts of town. You don't usually see an extended stay type place going into a really rough part of town because they're meant for business travelers, and most business travelers aren't going to stay there, which means that also most businesses aren't in a rough part of town. Most businesses are in nicer parts of town because that's where they want, that's where the commercial stuff works for them. So that's where these places are located. So it's safer, and there's a social element, which I do like. I, I, even if it's just simply walking by the manager or the front desk person saying hello to him or her and saying, hey, you know, good morning, good evening. I like that, let alone if there is, in fact, a place to sit where you're not stuck in your room. You can come down to the lobby, read, you know, play on your phone or whatever it is that people are, are doing now. Listen to a great podcast or YouTube channel. Be someplace where people are coming and going. I, I, you know, again, for the most part, you guys are working somewhere where it's just crazy busy, and a lot of you like that solitude. I get that. But for those days where like, yeah, I just feel like not seeing these four walls of this basically hotel room or a large hotel room, I love that aspect of it. If it's even better if there's a place that has a free continental breakfast or they do some sort of a, of a happy hour here and there and you can go down and, and you know have something to eat or potentially having something to drink, that's to me, that's just an added advantage. So there's really not a lot of negatives of these besides the fact that you are kind of living in a hotel room for, for three months. But I know for a lot of people, there's like no way. All right, I, I, I can't wait anymore. My favorite option for housing, my favorite housing hack, and this is not possible for everybody. I get it. So I'm just going to throw out the obvious here. My favorite housing is traveling in your own housing. In other words, RVing. I think, again, there are so many fantastic reasons for doing it this way. And we did a whole episode of we're going to. I always get confused because you guys may know this, but I had a different podcast many years ago that we you know we did the same kind of thing. And there's so many episodes that are duplicates of those. So when I say I'm not sure if I've done the episode or not, that's why because I probably have done it. I'm just not sure if I've done it here. If that all makes sense. So um, RVing, and we do, and again there is an episode or there will be an episode, one of the two, that is RVing as a traveler, and it's important because I, I just think that again it's it can't be for everybody if you. You know, have a, a home you you rent you know, or something you're committed. Going out and buying an incredibly expensive, oftentimes RV is may not be in the cards for you. But if you can, if you are in a situation where you can, either you you don't own and this could be your thing, and you're that committed and that convinced that you can do this full time for years and years, I think an RV makes sense. And by the way, the first thing I would tell you is I wouldn't go out and buy a brand new one. I would find a used one and have it inspected and, and get a good deal on something, whatever size it is you're looking for, whether you're driving it or pulling it. I mean, there's great options for this. But it is, it's in my, again, in my humble, humble opinion, it makes the most sense financially. It makes the most sense. And everything we talked about, all the pros and the cons, there are very few cons to having you know your own RV that you travel in. And everything that I said was a good thing on the pros applies to here. Except for the fact that you know there is no commitment because it's yours. The only thing you want to be committed to is that you're not going to be unemployed for very long, and you'll be taking that tax-free housing stipend that your company's giving you, and applying it to, or hopefully paying for your monthly payment on that loan that you took to get this. If you had to take a loan for this, which is perfect. 
It travels with pets. You can travel with spouses. It's available all the time. The only thing, and I think we covered it in that episode, is you have to be kind of aware of where you're going and what time of year. And is there any kind of difficulty in vacancies of places where you can you can park and stay with these things that's the only challenge you truly have to have and you really do need to think about it and those of you that rv are way ahead of me on this stuff you guys already know where you can go you're not going to be in there's just i won't go into examples but there are places that festivals have popular things during certain times of the year especially in the summertime in the wintertime they're inaccessible or they don't have water and gas hookups so you've got to you know it's going to limit where you can go but Ask anybody who has one. There are web pages and there are, I'm sorry, Facebook groups for RVing. I've seen a few. We post some stuff on a few of those. That um, I, Again, these are travelers helping, mostly veteran RVing travelers helping nubile you know, RVing travelers to kind of learn the ropes. Much like this podcast and this YouTube channel, they're helping people to kind of make sure that you get it. It's, it's complicated stuff. You know, anybody that knows anything about RVing knows there's a lot to think about, a lot to learn, a lot to understand, whether it's when you're driving, when you're parking, all the different things that, that go into an RV. It's not simple. You've got to learn and know what you're doing. You've got your own set of hacks for that. But I love the fact that you are basically bringing your own investment and you're basically having your agency pay for some or most or maybe all of that investment. Sure, it's going to depreciate. But when you're done traveling or when you're ready to upgrade, you're going to be able to turn that in and do something else you want. It's just To me, it makes the most sense. I love that hack as an option. And again, I'm not telling you to run right out and spend $100,000 or even $50,000 on a brand new or, or, and a used RV, whatever it is, just because you, it, you, know, you heard me talk about it. But consider it. Do some work. Do some investigating. See if it makes sense for you. If you've been traveling and successfully, this may be a perfect option. We at NextGen MedStep have had plenty of travelers in the last couple of years that do this, and many that are working for us right now that do this. And it's a it's a phenomenal situation for them. It does limit, like I said, location. But other than that, you're kind of you're kind of on your own. And it's you know just about how far you want to put the mileage on it. And I, I personally like the ones that you can get some amazing ones that are fifth wheel that are bigger than even motor coaches are and they don't have that engine in you're relying on your truck or our, or, our, or your SUV to pull that bigger they are the more truckish you're going to have to get can get some pretty good power behind that but it doesn't break down you know it's only it's, it's minimally you don't have to deal with both a car and an rv at the same time so again we'll talk more about it during the episode if we haven't already if we have go back and listen to it i should have looked to see if we did it and i apologize for sounding like i don't really know if we've done the episode or not but hey 91 episodes it's kind of hard to keep it all track especially when we did 75 80 of another thing so it's been over i think it's i put it this way i think we've been a, well over 150 160 episodes i've done so it's, it is kind of hard to keep track of what we've of what i've done and what i haven't done so um anyway i, I just i just think that's a good a good avenue here's a last little hack and i don't know it's hack we've, we've talked about this many times before this is really not about how to find housing this is I really think before you guys are telling all of these, you know, all of these recruiters and clicking the apply button on our app or anybody else's thing, really think about the cost of living on the location that you're going to. I opened up this episode talking about our economy slightly and talking about inflation and just how how pricey things are. Clearly, housing is an area like that. I mean, again, we can talk about food costs, and there's definitely parts of the country. I've been in Florida and California, and what a difference the two of them are. I mean, you could go out and eat like a king five nights a week in Florida that would cost you the same amount as two or three nights in California. I mean, it's just, it's just so much better there, but that's just the thing. So, you know, a lower-paying job in Florida 
versus a high-paying job in California, you actually might net more money in Florida at a, at a, at a, at a job that's low-paying. And I've had a lot of travelers, by the way, Florida does not pay well right now. I, I mean, I, I may be dating the episode, but we had critical ER, ICU, telemetry, paying under $2,000 here in the early part of 2023, whereas other places were over three, thirty-five, thirty-six hundred a week. People were taking the Florida job because A, they wanted a break from this really brutal winter that we had. I was one of them. But B, because they figured out that, you know what? There's no state taxes down there, and I'm going to pay a lot less for housing, which means I'm actually bringing home more. A lot of you guys get fooled by the shiny weekly you know, gross that you see on either our app or anybody else's app, and you haven't put a lot of thought into what is the housing cost going to be. So do that before you're submitted, if you can, and certainly before you sign any kind of contract. I've had people get offers, and then they finally went, oh, I'm going to go look now, and it's like, well, it's too late. You've got the offer, and now, you know, the hospital, you interviewed in the hospital, and also you find that you can't go to work there. It makes you look kind of bad. She's turning it down, or he's turning it down, because the, the rate's too low. Well, didn't they know the rate beforehand? They knew the rate, but they also thought that the housing would be cheaper. So do yourself a favor. You don't want to get any company upset. You don't want to have any managers upset, especially in a location you want to go to down the road. Do some research before you say yes. And I'll, on a side note, believe it or not, yes, crappy agencies, or maybe I should say crappy recruiters that work for agencies that aren't paying attention, are still submitting travelers blindly. Had it happened recently. We had... Child would go to work for us that um, asked us to put her in front of a job, and she said, oh, by the way, I found out that two other companies submitted me after you guys did, and I do not want them representing me because I mean, for us it was, about, it was about pay for her. And so we had to actually make sure that when the offer came, it came to us, which is just stinking. I said, well, how come your career put you in front? I don't know. In this case, it was a girl. She just did it, and, and I was really upset about it. Well, tell you, recruiter, do not ever submit me to a position that I haven't given you permission to. And we've discussed everything about the detail. Otherwise, I won't work for your company. Guys, you guys have control. Every recruiter wants you to work for them. And if you tell them that and they do that and you don't work for anymore, they're going to start learning that they want to lose people. They don't want to lose people. But when you don't tell them not to and they do it, then you go, okay, I'll, I'll stop doing that. You're encouraging and, and rewarding bad practices and it hurts you sometimes because it'll happen you'll be thrown in front of a job you're like I didn't go in front of them I'm interested in that or the cost of living is too high I don't want to go in front of that so you got to start telling these knucklehead recruiters to, to stop doing that well, another reason again why I like these new technology things where you're in control and you're also in control of what you're not going in front of nobody is ever I'm just going to put a commercial in here for you no one's ever going to push a button for you on our end to submit you a position that you haven't said, yes, I want to go in front of that. Isn't that wonderful? It eliminates that 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 thing that I always talk about, which is the you know the blind submission. I absolutely hate that. I think it's, I'm trying to clean up my language, but it is horrible. It is a yucky thing for recruiters to do, and they've done it for decades, and it's still, still out there. So anyway, there you go. <sighs> what else can I tell you? Bottom line is that there are so many different options for housing, whether you're doing a Craigslist, you're going to a roommate wanted place. I think there's other things we could talk about, but I think the more we further go down the list, the more desperate you're becoming for housing, and it should be one of those warning signs that maybe this isn't the right assignment for, for you in the, in the first place because housing is so, so tough. The bottom line for this episode is that, again, like I mentioned, housing risks are now on you guys. This is your business. You've, you're going and chasing after revenue. You're chasing after places that you want to go to work. You've got this 
absolute operating expense. It's, I mean, it's actually a cost of goods sold, which means you wouldn't have the expense if you didn't have the, the job. So you've got the job. So this is a big part of your cog. It's what takes your net, your gross income, down to a pretty insignificant thing if you're spending almost all your money or a lot of your money. The more you can save, the better off it is. And you do not want to get roped into something where you're going to be penalized. I don't care if we're talking about security deposits, which, by the way, you never, ever get back, right? You guys know that. So don't slap down a lot of money on security deposits. Don't sign a long-term lease. Don't get housing because it looks cool and you love the location or the scenery or the view or the way it looks inside. Treat it like a business model. And you guys are going to go so much further. You're going to make so much more money. And you're still going to have the greatest time in the world. You're still going to be able to do what you want to do. But at the end of the day, when you're retiring or when your year's up, you're going to have a lot more money in your pocket. And it just it just is. So that's my takeaway from today's episode. Guys, I appreciate it as always. Welcome back to Colorado. <sighs> appreciate you again. Thanks for subscribing. We'll catch you next time on Travel Evolved.